0: On this episode, Sights, Sounds, and School Safety.
1: From the heart of paradise, I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. And this is PV Beat.
0: Joining us always uh, in the studio, our producer, Kara. Hey, Kara, what's going on? Hi, Kara.
1: Hi, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Good.
0: Good. Episode two, uh, Sights, Sounds, uh, Actually One Thing, but We've Broken Into Two, uh, and School Safety. Um, the debut also of State of the District, Dr. Bale's segment, which I'm I kind love, of excited.
1: Yes, very exciting. And I love our two special guests we have here today, two of my favorite people here at the district.
0: And you're not just saying that because they're listening.
1: Correct. Not because they're right next to us in the green room, but truly two of the nicest people.
0: Before we can get into those segments, we do have to do the ads. Uh, the first thing sponsoring this episode is spring break. It's that time of year again to recharge for that final stretch. We're excited to announce that schools uh, in PV Schools will be closed March 13th through Friday, March 17th. That also includes district offices being closed on the 16th and 17th.
1: And of course, find your paradise in PV Schools. Now hiring positions throughout the district. Join one of Forbes America's best employers by checking out jobs.pvschools.net. Also brought to you by Prom Boutique, made possible by the Paradise Valley Education Association, is back. Donate your gently used formal gear, dresses, suits, shoes, jewelry, and more at Sweetwater Community School. And also check out the PVEA's Amazon wishlist to donate new items to make prom special for PV students. Let's send these students out to prom in style. And finally, our podcast is brought to you by State Testing. We have AASA, AZSI. The ACT and the ACT Aspire testing windows starting at the end of March. They run through April for grades 3 through 8, 9th, and, ele- and 11th graders. Find out more information about state testing by visiting your school's website.
0: Couldn't do it without sponsors.
1: Of course. We are so happy to have them
0: uh also couldn't have a podcast without guests
2: all right our first special guest is here today Hi, in
1: welcome. the studio uh
0: maureen Menick, our director hi, of everybody. fine arts hi hey, how, how are you? you
2: good thanks for having me in this special
0: spot here today of
1: course we're very happy to have you
0: yeah so um march 4th was sights and sounds in pv schools for anyone who isn't uh, familiar with what that event is uh Give us a give us a little rundown of it.
2: Yeah, this is an annual event that's been going on in PV schools for um, over a decade. Um, This is an opportunity for every program to showcase their work, every fine arts program. So we had um, 40, 2,700 pieces of art from um, 42 schools that um, participated which was really incredible Um, we also had performances from um, dance choir band strings Um, it was really it's it's a huge day and it's an opportunity for our kids to perform and our teachers to show what they've been doing and families to come together and look at the beautiful art that kids have been making in the classroom
1: well and one thing I love is you know PB schools, the schools here are really the hub of creativity, and I love that these kids have the opportunity to showcase their talents, and I know it was a lot of work for you guys to put on, so kudos to you. Uh, my brother and his family went to the event. They loved oh, awesome. it. They said it was top-notch. Thanks. Great job.
0: So yes. This is the 13th annual, so this is a long-standing event in PB yeah. schools. Yeah, it is. Uh, if if you could pick a favorite part, I know it's hard. Because uh, you're the director of all fine right. arts, right? But so is, I don't want to pick there, a favorite child. Right? No, but, don't pick right. a favorite child. But uh,
1: <laughs> One of your
2: top.
1: Different areas
0: of fine arts uh, hit each other or hit us differently. So
2: Yeah. what I think what's special, especially in the last two years that we did this event, because um, it was so important to bring the community together after we had virtual learning, that... Um, People loved the experience of being in the gym where all the art panels were and looking around and just seeing like this is what we did and this is who we are. And you see high school art next to a kindergartner's art next to, you know, seventh grade ceramic pieces. Um, And there's just this energy in that room with people. Um, just drifting in and out, ooing and aahing over everything. And then they can, you know, go get their face painted for their child and sing along to Frozen. And then they can mm-hmm. hop into the gym and see what's going on with the band performances. So just that that fluid energy and excitement um, on a beautiful day kind of grounded in the um, the feeling that we're all coming together for art is really special. And there's right.
0: something else that's special that happens at Sights and Sounds. The uh, governing board makes a purchase of art. Yeah, that is uh, a really, really uh, an honor. Um,
2: uh, you know, part that falls under my umbrella. So, of the 2,700 pieces of art, we we do bring in um, an artist from the community to you know judge in a sense, the art, what they're looking for is aesthetics and skill. And they choose four pieces at each grade level band. So we have 12 pieces total for elementary, for middle and for high. And they are professionally framed, which is unbelievable to see the end result. And then um, the students and their families get to come and present that work to the board, which then becomes the property of PV schools in our permanent collection. So that's a pretty pretty unique thing that we do. And you can
0: see, oh, sorry, Sarah, but you can see this artwork in the governing boardroom as well. And throughout the district, I know there's some hanging in the marketing and communications office. There's some in uh, Dr. Bale's conference room. I mean, they're in HR. they're, They're in every area of the district. There's there's a lot in, in the collection. Maybe we'll put you on the spot, but do you know how many pieces are in the, co- I, the collection? Uh, I
2: don't know how many, but what I do like to tell students, I was just telling one of our um one of our students that was awarded a purchase that um there is the, the art in the district office as, as old as I am, and I will be eighty forty years from now when the art purchased this year still lives oh, wow. in these buildings. So that's, that's pretty awesome. That is. Yeah.
0: Uh, if you uh, get a chance to swing by a governing board meeting, you can always check out that art in the governing board room. That's the last couple years, the most recent uh, art, uh, with the most recent uh, being that hung behind the governing board. Is that correct?
2: Yes. So it's a three-year rotation. So the the new art will be behind the board for a year, and then it goes over to the east wall, and then it goes to the south wall, um, <laughs> and then it comes out from there. And um, there's a a little bit of friendly competition, if you will, to find out like where is the art gonna end up after. I will
1: that. say I staked my claim to have moved to the Marcom department on one of the photos, or I would say it was probably a pencil sketch yeah. that's there in the boardroom. I put my name on there. It, so hopefully actually, I'll get that. It's to incredible
0: Marcom. to see the plaques on some of these pieces of art where a fourth grader yeah. is is responsible for this this beautiful thing you're looking at. It, it's it's impressive. Yeah. can you
1: tell us a little bit about the empty bowls fundraiser i know that was a huge part of the sights and sounds yeah
2: so the um teachers can um have the students create different kinds of of bowls and designs and you, you see every all different varieties of things there and um The community can come and purchase a bowl for $5, and that's for the PV Community Food Bank. So the food bank is on site to collect that and wrap up people's bowls. And um, they haven't given me a final total yet. I think last year we raised a little over $2,000. So, yeah, it's a really, it's a great way for people to feel like they're contributing to not just what we're doing here in the schools, but what's, you know, the communities that we serve. And then the kids get to feel good about the fact that they're also part of that. That's really impressive. I like that.
0: If you didn't make it to Sights and Sounds this year, uh, it being held already on March 4th, there are still opportunities to find uh, great ways to support student success in fine arts. Uh, Check out the district website. Uh, If you click in the calendar section, there's a fine arts calendar there that lists a bunch of events uh, upcoming. Uh, And then you can find out information from your own uh, particular schools on the fine arts uh, events that are going on um, school-wide. Well, thank you so much, Maureen, for coming in. We
2: really appreciate it. I really enjoy being able to spotlight what our
0: kids are doing, so
2: thank you so much. Well, we're
1: happy to have you, and we'll for sure have you back. Okay, sounds good. Bye.
0: Uh, Sarah, were you ever involved in fine arts uh, as a student?
1: I was a little bit when I was in high school. I did two of the plays, not the musicals, I Cannot Sing, but I uh, did some of the acting. I really enjoyed it. I think Mousetrap was one of them, and... um, there was another one I did the egg and I a lot of people don't know that one but it was a lot of fun and I really appreciated the fine arts program in my district
0: yeah so the stage stuff I wasn't quite uh that wasn't my my thing in school I was a nutcracker uh in the nutcracker when I was younger but beyond that uh stuff on stage wasn't for me but I did take a bunch of art classes I I love ceramics and
1: oh okay um, yeah
0: painting and and all that stuff uh it's it's It it makes me excited to see future artists and maybe future marketing and communications uh, people in our art classes and PV schools.
1: Well, and, you know, I have two sons. They're both, they're artists and musicians. It doesn't, I'm not, I'm not talented in that area, but it's really fun to see the talent that these students have. So.
0: Well, we cannot talk about fine arts all day, uh, especially with the next segment we have coming up. This is the first official superintendent segment so we can't screw this up the boss is listening the boss is listening uh state of the district is next
3: good afternoon Uh, great to have you here this afternoon i'm really excited to have officer mike rains with us today phoenix police officer who serves as a school resource officer here in our very own eagle ridge elementary school welcome officer rains
4: thank you i'm glad to be here
3: Well, tell me a little bit about uh, what an SRO, a school resource officer, does here in our district.
4: Obviously, our primary goal is to make sure that it's a safe and learning environment for everyone on campus. And we're there to maintain a professional working relationship with all the members on campus. We're required by a grant from the Arizona Department of Education to teach 180 hours of what we call law-related education every year. And that's based on school data. It's data driven. Quarterly, we meet with the school safety team, school safety and assessment team. We look at uh, current discipline trends, or other things going on, on campus? And that's how I create what, what I use to create my lessons plans. And that uh, I use that to teach the students, usually uh, six to eight classes as a cohort. And at the school I'm at, I'm fortunate enough where I can get into every classroom. So I teach at least eight to 10 classes in every class of my school so students get to know me. In addition to teaching the law of law- law- education, we're there to be a, a positive model to the students. Uh, know that we're not there for disciplinary reasons. We're not there to, uh, you know, scare kids straight. Right. We're there to be positive reinforcement. I mean, we can talk about consequences for student actions for things that they may have done and explain the law to them, you know, explain why it's not right and consequences at school legal consequences, but don't mean Therefore, it's a positive mentorship. It's not there to try to scare kids. We're not there to get kids in trouble.
3: Sure. Well, thank you for that explanation. You know, I think it's important for our community to know that, as you mentioned, we're recipients uh, of school resource officers because of a grant out of the ADE and the legislature that funds it. And it is a three-year grant at a time, and it's a competitive grant, and we have to uh, make application. And PV Schools is very, very blessed to know that uh, we have, I think, a little bit more than 14 or so, 14 or 15 officers in our school district. And that's a really high percentage based on the number of schools that we have. One of the highest in the state, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and so we're really excited about that. Uh, you, know, you, you described some of the duties, but can you tell me a little bit about some of the uh, special training maybe for uh, becoming an SRO officer? I mean, you obviously went through an academy and, and learned how to be a police officer, but this unique set of skills probably provided some training, too. Tell me a little bit about that.
4: Yes, of course. Of course, every police officer goes through a lot of training initially. And in order to become a school resource officer— it's technically an interview or, or board process to get the position. And once you've been accepted into the position, you have to attend, I believe, it's a 40-hour it's a training through the Arizona Department of Education. And every year, we're required to take additional trainings at the Advanced uh, Law-Related Education Academy through the Arizona Legal Foundation. So mm-hmm. we're, do, we're doing training every year.
3: And, and you still work during the summer when school's out session, don't you? Yes,
4: yes. Yeah. We still we still have our duties in the summertime.
3: Yeah, awesome. You know, one of the things that, you know, we take really seriously on our campus is school safety, and uh, you help maintain that uh, just by your presence. Uh, are there other things that you, you bring to campus to help maintain that safety other than just presence?
4: Well, it's good that it as an SRO and you have the police mindset, You're, you become familiar with your campus, so you can walk around and get... Just visually look at everything going on, and it's not just visual. It's not just uh, physical things. That's in fences and doors and locks. You're looking at policies, visitor management. What do people do when they come on campus? Do they, they have to provide ID? That type of thing. So we look at uh, several different things, and we can go over that with our principals. I've, I've uh, conducted a, several, what we call, threat vulnerability assessments mm-hmm. throughout the city and multiple sure. sites. So I've used that knowledge at my school as well.
3: We appreciate that. You know, we often deal with a lot of school threats. Talk to me a little bit about what are some of the consequences uh, for school threats, uh, even if it was intended as a joke.
4: Well, we take it very seriously. I mean, obviously, there is the law for threats. So, so, people, when they do a threat, they can commit, uh, they can be convicted of a criminal violation. But even if it's, an, even, even if it's a joke, uh, people understand that if people think it's real, it can cause a lot of stress. It can cause a lot of stress. It can, you know, sk- kids can be scared, and even at the least, it can be begin to inconvenience the at school. The, the school might have have to uh, go into lockdown. Sure. So it's very serious, and people have to understand that that there's still going to be consequences, even if it's a joke, because there's a lot of consequences that can happen because of it.
3: And of course, you know, we we try to teach our students, our our staff, our community that if they see something suspicious or hear about something. Uh, that may in- involve risk to our school safety, that they should do something. What What should they do?
4: Absolutely. It's always better to be safe than sorry. If something just doesn't look right, something doesn't look right, call the police. That's why we're here. And even if a school doesn't have an officer assigned to the school, police officers are going to be more than willing to respond to school to make sure everything's safe on campus. So absolutely call the police if anything doesn't look right to you near your school campus.
3: The old adage, if you see something, say something, right?
4: Exactly.
1: It's that time again for the latest, most poppin' news. Last time, I gave you both sixty seconds, and you didn't do so well. But oh, good news, I know. Thanks. Uh, we tried. <clears throat> we did our best. I have good news. I am giving you a chance to redeem yourselves by giving you ninety seconds. Ninety <clears throat> seconds. All right, here you we ready? go. That's Redemption 30 story. Thirty more
0: seconds of PV Schools news. Are you ready, Sarah? I
1: think so. Okay, first up, Horizon High School boys soccer team was crowned state champs. Go Huskies.
0: Horizon High School, uh, gosh, Varsity Palm won 2023 state championship. (laughs) Way to go.
1: Uh, N.C. wit Award. Three Crest students won the N.C. wit Award. Amazing work. Ladies, keep it up.
0: Amazing Kids at Sunrise Middle School placed second in the Arizona State Robotics Championship. Way to go.
1: And last episode, we tried to get this in, but we didn't have a chance. Senior Tej Desai, a semifinalist in the U.S. Presidential Scholars CTE Award.
0: Uh, Pinnacle uh, 20, sorry, Pinnacle Thespians, Troop 6565, qualified for International Thespian Festival. That's impressive.
1: Very impressive. Up next, Arizona Dance Education Organization. Dance Educator of the Year Award went to Leanne Slater. Congratulations.
0: Um, oh my gosh, I lost track. Girls basketball coach of the year, Pinnacle High School, Erica Farnsworth. Way to go, Erica. I went to high school with Erica. Good job, Erica. Oh, yeah, way to yep. go.
1: Uh, Boys Soccer Coach of the Year, Pinnacle High School, Justin Hughes. Um And we have Read Across America Day, we just celebrated. That's the next one, I guess.
0: Yeah, uh, had people come in and read, uh, community readers, two kids yes. in the school, pretty fantastic. Whispering Wind Academy student also won Mandarin Immersion Speech con, uh, Competition, uh, did a speech in Mandarin, impressive.
1: I'm getting nervous. Okay, we're running out. Sights uh, and Sounds was March 4th, like you just heard from Maureen. We saw some wonderful artwork from all of the students through the district K-12. Damn. Oh, we ran out.
0: No. Dance, teachers were... dance teacher. Oh, dance teacher. Sorry. Um, you're going to have to go to the website to find out what we were about to say about a dance teacher. Can you give us our website if
1: people want to read more?
0: pvschools.net. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter.
1: Okay, so oh, someone's here. Special guest is at the door.
0: Uh, Yeah, come on in. Welcome, uh, Dr. Chris Asmussen, Director of Student Services and highly respected colleague uh, and leader uh, of our district emergency response team. How's it going? Hi,
1: Chris.
5: Welcome. Uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me here today.
0: Uh, so District Emergency Response Team is quite a mouthful. It is commonly referred to as DIRT in the district.
5: Um, yeah, I don't like that much. I, I like to f- <laughs> say out the whole thing. District Emergency Response Team, it gives I it some can importance. See why. Yes. Right. Uh,
0: it's like having a very long title, right? Uh, right. You want it to sound more important. But I, I would argue that this is a very important uh, group within the district. Can you tell us a little bit more about what DIRT does?
5: Yes. Our District Emergency Response Team... Uh, is responsible for having conversations and discussion about um, keeping our campuses safe and our district facilities safe. It's made up of many of our district-level directors, so not only myself in student services, but my counterpart, the director of student services for elementary education. And then we have folks there that represent facilities, nutrition, transportation, information and technology. You are there as well in, in the marketing and communication department. And then community schools, I don't know if I mentioned them as well. In addition to our district leaders, we have representatives from our teachers, uh, representatives from our um, ESP group or our education support staff and parents, as well as the sergeant of the police department that oversees our school resource officer units. And then finally, some community members and the community members that are coming to us and supporting us on the district emergency response team. They are um, really well versed. They've been sitting on um, this committee for quite some time, and they also have experience in city planning. So when we do break into discussion and talk about school safety, we now have all of the stakeholders um, at the table and we are able to engage in conversation from all angles to ensure that the decisions that we're making and the recommendations that we're passing along to our school sites. That, um, you know, we are capturing all the stakeholders with our students at the center of our thinking to make sure that we keep them safe.
1: When well, I love that you guys have parents involved. I think that's key because it helps us kind of bridge the gap with that communication and to get their input. And I've been to these meetings. They're very important, very impactful.
0: You talk about a lot of things in your district emergency response team you do. meetings. One of the things that you have been looking at is our lockdown procedures and our, our drills.
5: Correct. You know, in the news lately and this past year, there's been some discussion and and a lot of emphasis on active shooter preparedness. And we wanted to relook at that this summer. Um, Some of our um, DIRT members, our district emergency response team, they participated in some trainings. um, And then we brought that information back to our um, committee and had some discussions about ways that we can enhance and improve um, our responsiveness at the school level.
1: Can you give us an example, though, of just like one or two, what have teachers been doing that we want to really push? And what do we want the schools doing to help keep kids
5: safe? Right. So um, first, typically speaking, we would have our incident commander, often our site leaders, Um, site administration would act as our um, leader. And they would be the people that are responsible for putting a school into an emergency lockdown but um, as our committee spoke, it's not always the site leader or the building principal that's going to be aware that there's a challenge on campus. And so we we are now empowering all of our staff members to be able to put a school into an emergency lockdown. And that means not only do they have to have the confidence to be able to to make that decision, but they also have to have the the skill to be able to do that. So they have to be able to um, utilize the all-call systems. And so we are now in the process of training all of our staff members to be able to do that.
0: I like that. And that really helps train staff for any situation, not just the one situation that you're training for.
5: Right. And it really starts with being situationally aware. And that's um, another uh, emphasis that we're now having with all of our staff-wide trainings is to, um, to make sure that our staff are aware of the sights and the sounds and the smells that are taking place at a school and to not just dismiss things that, you know, if there, um, if there's a smell in the hallway, it may not just be popcorn that's burning in the, in the microwave, right. but it could be something more important that needs to be looked into. And that when we have um, uh, somebody that's on our campus, they may Very well be there for legitimate reasons, uh, but they may not be wearing an ID or they may not have gone through the proper process of of visiting our campus. And so, if a staff member sees something that looks out of the ordinary, don't dismiss it, but rather investigate it. And you talked about training. Part of that
0: training is the drills. Uh, Just like you would do a tornado drill, Uh, I'm
5: from Kansas. Is that (laughs) that abundantly clear (laughs) now? A tornado drill? Yes. A fire drill. Mm -hmm. Uh, There
0: are lockdown drills.
5: Correct. And, and traditionally, what we've been doing in PV schools is that we would announce that there's an emergency lockdown and we would have our students, um, you know, move away from uh, the windows, make sure that we, um, you know, we go into more of a hiding practice. Now, what we're doing is having some conversations with our students in terms of um, being situationally aware themselves. Um, and then also being aware of their evacuation routes. But we're not having those conversations when it is um, with regard to an intruder. We're really having those conversations about a normal evacuation, like say for a fire drill. So our students know multiple exits out of the building. They know where they're going. Um, but when it comes to when we go into that emergency lockdown, we're really working with our students to put their eyes on the teacher and be ready to follow directions.
0: And I think the work that DIRT uh, members have done and staff that are implementing this training with students, I, I think it's important to note that you've taken uh, the, the mental health of students in, in in great regard, yes,
5: absolutely, and that came through all of our stakeholders as we were having those conversations to ensure that our training for our faculty and our staff was trauma informed and then to ensure that when we begin to have conversations with our students that we're not traumatizing them either that we're um we're really taking it slow with our students we're doing walkthroughs we're not i think in the past there's been traditional like let's pretend something real is happening. We're not doing that with our students at all. We're really being upfront, providing them with information, allowing them to have conversation, announcing when our drills are to our students and to their families. So that way they can also engage in those conversations at home. So it sounds
1: like you're really empowering them is what you're doing. You're giving the staff and the students the power to make decisions that are based best on really their health and safety.
0: Absolutely. And, and it's important to know you do not have people with stage makeup and we don't right. have absolutely you know, not. In the hallways. There's there's really no need because we're not training students and staff for one specific situation. It, this is a life skill unfortunately for all of us whether you're in school or not. Correct. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Uh, thank you for Dr. joining Osmondson. us today. Uh, and thank you to everyone who is a part of the District Emergency Response Team. Uh, it's great help to student success here in PV Schools, and I know it's a lot of work. Uh, you can find out more about school safety uh, in the newsroom on pbschools.net. Thanks, Chris. Thank you Thank you, so you for much. having me. Uh, Sarah, that is the podcast. Episode two is done.
1: I like this one. I like our two special guests. I love that we got to do State of the District with Dr. Bales. A lot of good information for us.
0: Yeah, I make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five star review. That would really be awesome. We need that, guys. You can on. also follow us on Spotify, or you can continue listening, listening, rather, to the podcast on the district website. You can also find PV Schools on social media by searching at PV Schools on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Support student success by liking, commenting, and sharing. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.
1: Bye.